Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of the Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. The Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. Happy New Year. As we get started with the second season of Planting Seeds, I want to thank all of the listeners throughout the previous year uh, from all over the world who helped to make our podcast a success. It is our prayer that as 2021 begins that we will be able to continue to minister through this podcast and that we'll be able to touch on scripture that will be helpful to you in your daily walk. As always, our intent is to share a brief portion of scripture, to plant a seed, not necessarily answer all the questions, but plant a seed that you can cultivate in your own life and see grow into producing fruit that is consistent with a disciple of Christ. As we begin this new season and this new year, I wanted to start with uh, an often overlooked prophet in the Old Testament, Habakkuk. Uh, It's a very short prophecy. Uh, In it, we learn a lot about what God was doing in the life of Israel at the time of Habakkuk, Uh, but we also see Israel's perspective through Habakkuk and the way he uh, questions God about what's going on. Some things, some questions maybe that we have in our time about all the chaos and problems in our society, whether they're political or health-related or climate-related and all the chaos and bickering that goes on about the best solutions. Where is God in all of this and How do we better see God at work in our world and respond to him appropriately? So let's start by reading the first 11 verses of Habakkuk chapter 1, and then we'll explore those together. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear, or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong. Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. These first four verses are Habakkuk's inquiry of God. Verses 5 through 11 are the Lord's answer to Habakkuk. And the Lord says, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am rising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves, their horsemen press proudly on, their horsemen come from afar, they fly like an eagle swift to devour, they all come for violence, all their faces forward, they gather captives like the sand, at kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh, they laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it, then they sweep by like the wind and go on. 
guilty men whose own might is their God. In those first few verses, as Habakkuk goes to God and complains, he basically says, God, what are you doing? He says it three different ways. In verse two, he says, basically, how long do I have to put up with this? In verse three, why me? Why am I having to look at this? Uh, Verses three and four together, what's going on here? Things are not working the way they're supposed to. God, what are you doing? I don't see you active in all of the violence and chaos that's going on around us. What are you doing? And God's response is interesting. He says, I'm always at work and my work is amazing. He goes on to talk about how cruel and vicious and strong the Chaldeans are or the Babylonian empire. There are things in this question and response that help us understand some things about God and his work that may be instructive for us in our time. The first observation I think we should make is that God's work on our behalf is always amazing. God said in verse five, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded or amazed. When God makes the statement to Habakkuk, several things are implied. One is that being unaware does not mean that God's not working. Habakkuk's complaint said, you know, all of this is going on. Justice is being perverted. Violence is everywhere. What are you doing, God? God says, I'm at work and it's amazing work. You wouldn't even believe it if I told you. So I haven't bothered to tell you. I've just been doing what I do. We need to bring that forward to our time. And as we look at the turmoil in our society and our political life and physical and mental health of our country, uh, that with all of the chaos, with all of the disruption, with all of the seeming animosity, it does not mean God's not working just because we don't see it. Another aspect of that is us not understanding God's work does not make it any less awesome. God's work is not awesome only when we get it. God's work is always awesome. It's often difficult for us to comprehend until we see it in hindsight. We have a hard time grasping what God may be doing in the moment or looking ahead and seeing how it's going to work out, but it doesn't change the fact that God's work is awesome because God's ways are so much higher than our ways. We often have a hard time wrapping our heads around it. We need to realize that circumstances don't have to work out the way we want for it to be God's work. We don't have to see God doing what we want done to acknowledge God working. If it turns out exactly the way we want, it is oftentimes our own work or Satan's, not God's. If you look through scripture and look at the different people who interact with God, very often their original plans have to change. They don't always get what they want because what God wants is superior. They always benefit from it. They are always elated to be a part of it, but it is often a great challenge to them to accomplish it. Moses argued with God about what he had to do. Abraham and Sarah had a hard time believing what was going to happen to them. David didn't always fully appreciate what God was calling him to as king before he became king. The Bible is full of reluctant heroes who God had to shape and mold and train and and get them to do something that was different than their 
normal instinct, their natural desires. We often very naturally are, are, are as selfish people. We do things that we want. That often runs exactly opposite of God's desires. God is concerned about the whole of humanity and especially his church. And when he blesses us, it's so that we can use that for the benefit of others. If we use those things selfishly and we claim God did it for us, we may be misunderstanding God's work. So God's work on our behalf is amazing, regardless of whether we understand it or not. But we also see in God's response that God can use any circumstance to help and teach his people. The Assyrians had defeated and oppressed Israel. Now the Chaldeans, which were even more violent and ruthless, were coming in and were going to defeat the Assyrians. And all of Israel could tell that was probably going to be a bad thing for them. And so they were wondering, where was God in this? Why was God not protecting them? And God looks on the circumstance and he says, I have a chance now to teach my people something about me and and my faithfulness and the way that I go about things. God can use any circumstance to help and teach his people. The good times are great. The bad times are instructive and build us. And when we trust God through them, we become closer to the people that he designed us to be from the beginning. Habakkuk had looked at these Chaldeans and decided they were winning at life. They had some advantage that Israel didn't have. But God is going to make the point that people who are successful in doing evil are not winning. If the success comes in being evil, doing evil, taking shortcuts, being selfish, that's not winning. Winning is not getting our way. Winning is finding our place within God's way. And we need to remember some things about winning. Winning happens at the finish line, not at milestones leading up to it. How many times have you watched a football game or other sporting event where at halftime, one team had a lead, but after having a chance to regroup and recalculate, they come out and the other team ends up going ahead and winning the game. You can't declare victory at the halfway point or at the quarter point. Victory happens at the finish line. Too many of us are wanting to be declared winner before the race is over. That causes us to take shortcuts and to to seek a success that isn't what God intends for us. God is trying to bring us home and prepare us for that home and to be prepared to live with him forever. And so he brings us through things that equip us for that. If we try to declare victory before we have it, if we try to declare victory based on some other standard than God has provided, If we look for victory anywhere other than in Christ, we'll be disappointed because Christ has promised to bring us to that finish line so that we can live in eternity with God. Any other type of winning will fall short of that goal. As I look at this prophecy of Habakkuk and I see his explanation of what he saw and I hear God's response to him, one thing I'm struck by is that God certainly can handle the questions that we ask. But I wonder if we're not like Habakkuk a little bit and maybe asking the wrong questions. God kind of has to readjust Habakkuk's perspective before he can understand what God's doing. 
Maybe instead of questions like, how long do I have to put up with this? And why me? And what's going on here? Maybe these are the more appropriate questions. God, it's obvious that you're showing mercy. Are you showing mercy to me or to others? And that's what's going on with the events surrounding Habakkuk's complaint. Israel is looking at the supposed success of the Chaldeans and thinking somehow that God's not helping them or God is showing them mercy instead of Israel. The reality is God is working out his mercy for Israel. He's not already destroyed Israel. He's already shown them mercy, but he's also calling them to repentance and he's calling them to be better and acknowledge their need for him. And so there is a measure of judgment in all that's going on, but he is still showing mercy to Israel because they've not been destroyed. And as we look at other prophecies, the Chaldeans themselves are being shown mercy with an opportunity to acknowledge that God was the author of their success and and turn to him and they choose not to. And eventually they're destroyed by the Persians. When God is showing mercy to others, we may not always get what we want when we want, but it's for the benefit of the whole. When the apostle Peter writes his letter in the New Testament, one of the things he says to his audience is that you should never consider God slack concerning his promises, that he takes his promises lightly. He will fulfill all of his promises, that if he has not fulfilled it, he may be calling you to repentance. He may be wanting you to be ready yourself for the fulfillment of that. I often think about people who are very eager for God to come and and execute his judgment on the world. And I wonder how many of those people who are so eager to see judgment come are actually prepared for it. When we see circumstances unfolding around us, we need to ask, is God showing mercy to these other people or is he showing it to me? Is he calling, giving other people a chance to repent or has he actually called me to repent? Another question, well, what can I learn? As these things unfold, what is it that God is trying to teach me and show me so that I will be a better servant of his? We get kind of fixated on what's missing in our life and complain about those things and want God to fix it. But with those things missing or with the the negative things happening around us and God allowing that, is there something he wants us to learn in the midst of that that prepares us to be better servants of his, and by extension, be better prepared for living eternity with him. Another question might be, what should I be doing? God, Habakkuk is very worried about what God should be doing. God says, I'm always working. Don't worry about me. What is the proper response for you and for Israel? What should you be doing in response to my work? We as Christians often read passages in scripture that say uh, something to the effect of uh, laying our burdens or our, our cares before God and let him take care of them. And that is very appropriate, but then many of us take that as an excuse for inactivity or complacency or continuing to do the things that got us in trouble to start with. God is going to set all things right, but he's given us a chance to participate in his unfolding will and and being on his side and being servants of his. What is it in the midst of all this that I should be doing? And so often in the prophecies in the Old Testament, in the 
teachings in the New Testament, what it is that God has called his people to do in the midst of devastation is to be kind and loving to those that are on the margins. So when we find ourselves dissatisfied with the world around us, instead of complaining to God about why he doesn't fix it sooner, why don't we try to understand why he's waiting? It may be so that I have time to repent. Why don't we figure out what we can learn from the situation? And why don't we figure out what we can do to make it better? And spoiler alert, what we can do to make it better is not get on social media and complain about the other people. It's to show kindness and love and compassion to those who need it. When we ask these questions, we need to be willing to go to a good source for answers. There's a lot made in our society right now of fake news and uh, people on either side of an issue will claim that the other side is spreading fake news. There's one place that we can go for answers to our questions where we will never get fake news. We need to make sure that we go to the right source for our answers. The things that are going on in this world today, God has the solution for. We're not going to find them in a political source. That was Israel's problem. They had tried to solve their problems politically rather than spiritually. The solution to their problems was turning to their God and doing the things he called them to do. We need to realize that it is hard for us to blame God for the results in our life if we didn't ask him to be part of the solution. If we didn't ask him to guide us in our steps and we didn't follow his advice, we can't blame him for the consequences we find ourselves in. We also need to learn from Habakkuk that asking the wrong questions or maybe even not asking enough questions about our situation can leave us with an incomplete picture or or even a wrong perspective of what God's doing. Until I learn to ask the questions that get me the godly answers, until I learn to be concerned about mercy and what I learn and how I grow and what it is I should be doing in a circumstance, I may lose perspective of God's work and not realize that he's not only trying to rescue me, but others around me. We need to remember that God always answers. The question is, Do we listen? Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.